Powered by Righteous Media. Thanks for tuning in to the B-Dorm Podcast. I am your co-host, Don Eliver, joined as always by Justin Jericho Turner. And we are two former college roommates getting together a couple of decades later to talk about life, business, culture, media, entertainment, and everything in between. Let's hit it. Justin, we've been talking about all types of stuff for the last few weeks, um, and there's a whole bunch of different topics we could get into. We could get into on this episode of the podcast, right? But I was thinking, since I know we could talk about Chappelle, we could right. talk about Gruden, right? We could talk about Kyrie and the vaccines and all that right. stuff, right? We could talk about Colin Powell, who just passed away. Let's go. But I don't necessarily want to jump right into talking about any one of those things, because first off, you could tune into any other podcast and turn on the news, jump on your social media. And there's all types of people talking about all that, breaking down every one of those already. Right. So what I wanted to talk about is what I kind of saw as a little bit of a commonality, although it's a little nuance in each different situation about what's going on in those different things. When we were growing up, you know how you idolized people just like People idolize today, be they athletes, entertainers, politicians, um, authors, whatever it may be for you, for in whatever area in which they actually excel. Um, But back, you know, prior to the age of social media and the digital age in general, um, you weren't really as exposed to people's true opinions and ideals outside of the realm of whatever it was that they actually excelled in. Right. Right. And so outside of like the occasional tabloid, you know, this person did something wrong. Now we hear about them. But generally speaking, you're right. Yeah. Or if someone chose to actually involve themselves in some level of activism, activism or or highlight awareness around whatever their beliefs were, like a Muhammad Ali or something like that. Right. 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 Um, But now what we're what we're really what we're seeing a lot of is people getting excoriated or canceled in their area of success um, or their area of expertise. Because closets are becoming more transparent now and people can see your skeletons actually peeking through. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing or probably like most topics that we intend to speak about on our podcast. There's probably probably, it's probably it's probably somewhere in the middle. And so how do we take what we used to, I guess, um, do in the form of hero worship, uh, for lack of a better phrase? when we were young and kind of transform that into some level of compartmentalized admiration with people like Kyrie, Gruden, Chappelle, Kanye, Colin Powell, who just passed away. Kanye is my favorite example because like, I can't stand Kanye. Like I'll, I'll, I'll say this publicly. Like there are people who love him. There are people who dislike him because of who he is as a person. This, I don't know him personally, but what I do know of him publicly is deplorable, like snatching the mic out of Taylor Swift's hand, like declaring himself the voice of a generation, like the the certain certain things. I'm just like, yo, bro, take take a seat. But I love his music, so I have to compartmentalize this human being where I'll rock. To some of his stuff, 
sometimes without even knowing it because he touches a lot of stuff like musically very genius right mm-hmm. but now like i don't have to rock with him as a person like i don't i don't have to do that and and when i i, I know a very very intelligent young woman um who uh, models in my company she's actually pre-med um and is probably going to be a neurosurgeon right it's not normally the combination of things you have when you talk about models right model plus neurosurgeon but just this very unique individual, huge Kanye fan. Congratulations Kanye to fan. her for her successes. Right. We had a whole like kind of bitter argument about this Kanye fellow because she she loves him and supports his independent thinking, right? And there is a place for independent thought in our discourse, in our society. Like we need that. We need people to challenge stuff that is accepted as the norm. The people that did that in our past are part of the reason why you and I get to have this conversation on this pod, right? Because some people questioned mm-hmm. the norm and they were right to question it. But <laughs> we have to draw the line when the questioning becomes the thing, not like questioning for a purpose, just questioning for the sake of questioning, right? And this is some of what um, this individual Kanye started to do when we were talking about, uh, he was having a conversation about slavery. I think it was TMZ, but he said slavery was a choice. You remember that? Did he actually say that? Cause I, I, I think I heard a quote like that, but I try to be real careful about when I hear quotes, but out of either out of context or third, fourth, fifth party, not to necessarily fully subscribe to what I heard unless oh, no, 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 no. I, I saw he it for myself. It. Yeah. He said it with his chest. Yeah. Like, this is something he's thought about. Slavery was a choice. And there are a lot of people who try to say, all right, well, you didn't really fully understand the con- the context. No, I understood the context. There's an individual who is uninformed talking about something that is very painful to a lot of people in a very cavalier way. And that's not questioning to be questioning. It's being irresponsible with your fame. Being a famous person in our society kind of means you are a leader in a certain sense if you decide to make yourself public in that way. And being rich doesn't necessarily mean that you have to be famous. Because, you know, we talked about this earlier. There are plenty of rich people that aren't famous because they choose not to be. They choose not to broadcast their ideas all the time, you know. Mm -hmm. And even if they are having those kinds of conversations with their friends, family, coworkers, whatever, they're not on social media broadcasting it. They're not, you know, asking questions publicly just to see what will happen. Mm-hmm. And we know why most of these people are doing it. They're doing it for headlines. They're doing it so that they yeah. can stay in the media, right? So mm-hmm. there's a way to lead without necessarily being, you know, that loud, um, controversial, questioning type leader while also keeping your, you know, ear to the ground and paying attention to things that you kind of should be paying attention to just in case people aren't talking about stuff the way that they should. This is part of the problem. Folks are not fully understanding the difference between challenging authority and having an independent thought. The two things are not necessarily the same. Sometimes they coexist, but they are not the same thing. And, you know, the the vaccine is a great example. There are people 
in our society who are intelligent enough to understand the difference between what is fact and what is not. And on this particular situation, they have chosen to abandon all of that for the sake of you can't tell me what to do. And like that bucking of authority becomes more important than the, the fact of the situation. You know what I'm saying? And that's, that's when you start running into situations where people talking about the earth is flat, like, like mm-hmm. our boy uh, Kyrie, right? Mm-hmm. This is when you start talking about things that, yes. So, you know, take it back to when human beings thought the earth was the center of the universe. And there was one guy who said, no, 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 no. Earth is not the center of the universe. And everybody thought Copernicus was crazy. Mm-hmm. And then he turned out to be right. So sometimes it's good to question authority. Sometimes it's good to have an idea outside of the box. But yo, <laughs> sometimes the box is there for a reason, right? Like yeah. if you're an astronaut, you're not jumping out your space pod like, yo, there might be oxygen out there. You're probably wrong about that. I could probably breathe in space. Like y'all just ain't try it yet. Let me try it. Let me find out. Like there are certain things you don't do because it's established science and we've come to an understanding that will kill you in, in a multitude of ways. You will freeze, your lungs will explode, like all that, whatever. Point is, I think we have to make a very clear distinction as to what leadership actually is. Let, let, let's take the musical genius versus what is going on with this person category, right? Word. Um, I learned, I think for me personally, I learned a big lesson with Michael Jackson mm-hmm. and that has led to, that has led to my opinion in all these situations, which is I get highly concerned when society watches someone just stray from the path of mental sanity <laughs> slowly over time. And, right. and as a society, everybody's just okay with it. Okay with things that you wouldn't be okay with your brother, sister, uncle, best friend, or cousin doing, but you're okay with it because this person is a genius in what they do until one day you suddenly say, okay, we're not okay with it anymore. And now I'm frowning upon everything you've done for the last decade and a half because like I stopped listening to R. Kelly as much as I love his music. I stopped listening to R. Kelly years ago years ago because I felt a type of way about it. And I have Kanye in the same category for me now where I don't, the Kanye stuff R. R Kelly. I'm, I'm more, I feel R Kelly is is just deplorable at this point in terms of what, what what he's actually, what he's actually done. (laughs) Kanye. I'm still at the point of, I'm highly concerned that we are watching this snowball of probably some some actual mental medical mental clinical issues continue to roll down the hill right before our eyes and people are just enjoying the ride of watching it happen which is which is why I don't feel I feel like I I don't want to I don't want to click on anything that that actually helps support or gain more traction for whatever he's doing because I think he needs help <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
gotta we gotta mention the fact that there there are some employees now who are working at Netflix who are staging a walkout in protest of the Chappelle special, The Closer. Now, if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest that you watch it and understand two things. One, Chappelle was trying to deliver a message, right? He was trying to speak to not just the trans community, but the the greater LGBTQ community at large and trying to say that marginalized communities should not be punching at each other, right? Now, he used the phrase punching down a lot um, in that, I mean, use it as a motif because he's doing a stand-up special. Like, we need to recognize that, right? So I'll use that phrase because he used it. He's trying to tell us we shouldn't be punching down at each other because we're all low and we need to all kind of coalesce and lift each other up. And the second thing that you need to understand about that special is Dave Chappelle is transphobic. Okay. (laughs) He doesn't mince words about this. He's very clear about this, right? This is a person who requires more information on this subject. And this is like, I love Dave Chappelle. Love him. So my, he's probably my favorite comedian, right? But Chappelle tried to deliver a very important message and did not do it well. And the reason why I criticized the way he did it is because he had an opportunity to talk about how the black trans woman is the most hated woman in America. And he could have delivered that message and he could have let his audience know that he understands the difference between being trans and being trans plus black in America. He could have talked about that. He chose not to, right? Because he doesn't have a personal relationship with a black trans woman. And this is the shit that you and I were talking about, right? That he went on, you know, a comedy special and basically did the same thing that we tell all of our white friends not to do, which is don't quote me when people start telling you you're a racist, don't be like, yo, I have a black friend. Don't do that. <laughs> yep. Right? We talked about this. Like, that's the one thing that you don't do. And Chappelle knows this. So for him to then, like, he says, my problem has always been with white people. That's true. If you watch his specials and you listen to what he says, His commentary is definitely about white relations with the black community in America. No question about it. The problem lies between the lines where you start looking at how, as a comedian, he has used his platform in a very political way. He's always been that way. So for us to not analyze it in a political way is irresponsible, in my opinion, right? It's comedy, but he's trying to deliver a message. So I say to all the people that have criticisms of Chappelle, first, understand that he's transphobic, understand that there are things that he needs to understand more about that community, right? But he's a comedian. He's cracking jokes. Like, we got to accept it for what it is. And the shit was funny, right? Most of it was funny. Although, here's my question to you, though, because I, like you, am a huge, huge Chappelle fan. And I'm a huge um, fan of comedy at large. If you remember back in college, I was that dude that was watching old, real old, 20-year-olds at that time, Richard Pryor tapes all the time. 
like I'm a I'm not going to claim to be like the mo a, a comedy historian, but I'm a I'm a I'm a longtime consumer of comedy. And what I appreciate for Chappelle and that what I feel like has 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 in in recent years, more so than early on, early on, his comedy came off as as more of the level of, you know, just sophomoric humor in the type that we appreciate. But in as he got older and more sophisticated, people appreciated him more. He became more layered, more strategic, and his comedies and his comedy specials in particular became more like works of art within themselves. Mm -hmm. And you as a author and, and a teacher of story writing can probably appreciate that um, where I, where I felt that he failed in this, in this regard, this last time, regardless of, I'm not even going to get into the whole, like his transphobia and all these other issues. And I'm not even going to recommend, like, I know you said that people should watch it. I don't even know if I feel comfortable saying, telling people that they should go watch it because I think people got to really choose on their own for their own. And usually I say, don't judge something without experiencing itself for, for yourself. So you can understand the context. But I also understand in this instance, not necessarily wanting to watch it to give more support to, to based in this world we live in where clicks on and plays of something actually puts more money in the person's pocket or helps push the, uh, push that media. Right. So, but that being said, what what concerns me is why I appreciate him in recent years is that he became a master of um, using humor as a way of getting points across, deeper points across in a humorous fashion by constructing his specials where he is the protagonist in this comedy story that he's telling us over that period of time that he's on stage. However, this last time he instead just be, just played an antagonist the entire time. He played victim, victim plus antagonist, right? Victim plus time. antagonist the entire time, as opposed to uh, as opposed to there being. I was waiting for like I was trying to follow this this you know the 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 humorous growth path. I thought there was going to be some story of growth or like or some larger scale, more nuanced, buried point. Um, and his point didn't get lost on me. It's just that I felt that. Again, like it became more antagonistic than entertaining, humorous, or or thought provoking. Chappelle knew that the vast majority of the black community would hear his message, and he knew that he was going to piss off a certain segment of the population, and he was perfectly okay with doing it. I assume, hoping that folks like us would have conversations about it, but. I, I want to reemphasize, this is a man who needs more education in this field. It becomes a situation where because Chappelle is rich and because he has a huge platform, he gets to say whatever he wants, right? Mm -hmm. And people are going to listen because of who he is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that he actually knows what he's talking about. And we have to remember that sometimes. He met one trans person. And formed a relationship with one person. I also think there's a, there's an aspect to this that people are disregarding, which is the fact that um, she might have been highly enamored by the fact that she was the person who she was uh, a big fan of had 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 actually taken an interest to her in her and become friends. And you're going to be more forgiving when when uh, in that scenario. And you're not going to necessarily be truly honest with that individual. And that's what I think Chappelle may not be realizing in that, in that friendship or that situation as well. There's, there's a lot of people who, when they get any level of attention 
from someone they idolize get get you know the blinders go on and and they and you they get a lot you get a lot more forgiving when that person is actually recognizing you in some respect yes sir keeping it 100 on the be doing podcast y'all know how we do here following is a legal disclaimer brought to you by the unofficial in-house counsel of the B-Dorm podcast. Please be advised that no members of the B-Dorm podcast unofficial in-house counsel have actually attended law school or passed any state-recognized bar exams. Let's make sure our audience here understands that you and I recognize that we are two black males who identify as hetero so even speaking about the Chappelle stuff there's a level of bias and more education understanding that you and I need to have in order to have a comprehensive conversation about that so hopefully down the road we can bring on some guests who can even enlighten us even more on some of those topics right but, right right, right. But disclaimer com- we don't know what the fuck we're talking about either right yeah. so <laughs> We both know about being black dudes. We both know about being black dudes coached by white guys. And we both, or sorry, we know about football. You really know about football, both from a fan standpoint and a playing football standpoint. So we talked about all those folks, but we didn't say nothing about Gruden. You said, you said some really hilarious shit to me about, about the, about, about your take on the whole Gruden thing. You want to, you want to, you want to, you want to break that down for us? Yo, Gruden right now is like, first of all, let's let's all recognize that he's a fall guy, right? He's he is taking the fall for um I think the 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 shit that came out came from the NFL's investigation of the formerly known as Redskins Washington football team. And the executive that he was talking to is a classic good old boy, right? That's why he doesn't work there anymore. That's why they got ran out. That's why they're being investigated to begin with. Somebody who, you know, probably uses nigger in his vernacular. Um, you know, somebody who, you know, refers to women as objects on a consistent basis. And Gruden is a suck up. He's a like this is this is the you know what I'm saying? So Gruden wanted to wanted to coach again. He was working for ESPN at the time. And he was talking to the executive at a football team. And he was talking in a language that he thought that person would understand. This is not to say that Gruden didn't believe, you know, whatever. I don't know this man. I don't know John Gruden. Okay. What I do know about him is that he wanted to coach in, in the NFL. And he thought that if he kissed this man's ass, that maybe he might get a job. That's what it sounded like to me. And we, when we were talking about over text was I want to see players come out and roast him because that's that's what I'm waiting for. And I'm still waiting for it. Like I've heard some people say a couple things, but nobody has come out as a player and roasted this man. Now, it, you mentioned that I used to play football. I played for a while, played in high school, played in college. I've been around a lot of coaches. If I had a coach that I felt treated me in a certain way based on my race, and then that coach got called out in the media, you would hear from me. And there are a lot of people that we should be hearing from if he was that dude. 
So I'm going to go on record and say it's more likely that Gruden is not that dude. It's more likely that he's just loose at the mouth. And it's more likely that he is a fall guy right now because there are people who make a lot more money than him who he was talking to. And, you know, there are probably other people that are being swept under the rug right now who are not Gruden. But fact of the matter is, I don't know this dude. I don't know if he's a racist. I don't know if he's a misogynist. I don't know him like that. But I do know that if he was treating his players a certain way and he got roasted in the media the way he got roasted, players would talk because players know. We talk to each other about shit like that. We talk to each other about stuff like that. Those conversations are not um, like they're not censored. So that I like your point. I don't necessarily I don't know, know to what extent I'm in full agreement with you about the about just I'm not just going to give Gruen a get out of jail free card because he was just being loose lipped and having a locker room talk, whatever, because like you still you're you're you there's some level you, there needs to be some level of accountability for even if there's sentiments that you harbor inside that maybe haven't affected your players blatantly like there's he showed that there's there's some level of unconscious bias that exists within him that maybe he's able to keep at bay and go about his professionalism during the day but you know for a fact especially based on one of the comments he made about uh about michael sam i believe it was right yeah uh like like and and granted whatever you may think if that maybe you may th- you have thought that's mike, mike sam what like just wasn't a good player, et cetera. But there was no need for him to, 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 why, why couldn't the fact that he couldn't seem to separate his comments about somebody's performance on the field from someone's sexual preference is problematic in and of itself. And then, especially when you get to put, putting someone in a position of power. So that's where on the Gruden tip, I'm just like, eh. But to your point, um, and I think I told this to you when we were texting about her and chatting about it. The Gruden thing concerns me. I like whenever anytime any of these things happen that somebody gets called out like this, it doesn't concern me so much about the individual that got caught. It me it tells me that that individual who got caught was in a an environment or a scenario where ev- anyone who they were directing their communications to they felt would be receptive to that, which means that they likely speak with that in that manner and communicate with them like that on a regular basis, you know, onto a larger scale. I'll give you an example that really jumped out to me. Um, this happened, I think sometime in the last two years, there was, um, it was during the height of the, again, of the, of the, of the anthem kneeling stuff that was causing people to, to get up in arms. And there was a, I think it was a commentator for a high school or college basketball girls basketball game who when he thought the the studio mic was off made highly highly derogatory comments about the young women who were kneeling during the anthem before their before their game okay and i and it got caught on on the uh on the on, on the mic the mic was hot and he didn't think it was hot right and you know ended up issuing an apology i think maybe he either got suspended or terminated who knows whatever he got in trouble right but you know who didn't seem to get in trouble from what I from what I read in the follow up to that? All the people who he works with, who he clearly speaks that way with when the when he thinks the mic is off all the time. Right. And then that's and that's kind of my entire point on this. Right. Like my man. Let, let me clarify for the audience. I don't give a shit about John Gruden. I don't care about millionaires who lose their money 
I'm not crying any crocodile tears for this man, right? So mm-hmm. with that having been said, we also have to like we we're gonna come to a reckoning in our society soon, very soon, mm-hmm. where the concept of canceling someone has to develop a little bit more nuance. We got to start talking about the people who he was talking to. We got to start talking about how, as a culture, it seemed okay for him to write that shit down. That's my, like, yo, he wrote it down. You know when you write something down, there's a permanent record. So he was fine with there being a permanent record of him saying the shit that he said. And that's mm-hmm. like, you know, criminal 101. You don't write it down. Even when you're talking on the phone, you know, you, 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 you use code names for everything. You know the guy with the thing, right? Because you don't know who's listening. So he, he wrote emails understanding who was listening. Understanding that there's a chance, there's a possibility that somebody else could read it and he was good with it. That's yep. That, in my opinion, is the problem. The following is a public service announcement brought to you by the B-Dorm Podcast. Because we love the public. And we love service. And we really love making announcements. At the height of the George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter march that were going on in in um, response to the George Floyd murder and all that other stuff that was going on at that time, anybody who was a non-black friend of mine that reached out to me to have conversations about it, what I said to them at the times, I said, look, as great as participation, all this stuff is like, you know, I'm not, I don't, I don't think like, I didn't tell people that you need to be out there marching with BLM or this and that, like they got their own flaws as it is too. Uh, And I was saying that, and I would tell people, you don't need to, you don't need to be posting on your social media. I said the most impactful thing you could do. And I had this conversation at least a dozen times with different groups of friends uh, consistently over a period of months. I said, as just when you as a non-black person are in an environment where there are no black people around and suddenly people feel comfortable making certain types of jokes or speaking a certain type of way, take it upon yourself to shut that shit down. Right. Because that is the biggest impact you could have, because I don't care how many marches, how many protests, how how many how many uh, uh, memes, how many educational trainings people go through at work or or at school, whatever, like none of that ultimately matters if society as itself doesn't actually police itself in social environments. Otherwise, people are just going to continue to feel welcomed and 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 they think they're hamming it up and being funny amongst friends. And you got to start making it known it's not funny. And that's why, like for myself, like and not to not be hypocritical um, when I if I've been amongst people who think it's all right to crack uh, a joke or use a term that's derogatory in an anti-Semitic way, in a homophobic way, et cetera. Like I've taken upon myself in recent years, anybody who's been around me in those scenarios know. I will speak up because if I'm going to ask people to do do that for me, then I got to be willing to do that for the other communities that I may not be a part of, but who I understand that they're going through something similar to what I'm going through. You have some interesting tie-ins, Colin Powell. And then when we were texting or talking about this before we started recording this pod, um, you had you had an interesting take on on what makes 
Colin Powell's legacy, um, both politically, ethnically, and at large, y- uh, unique um, from a leadership standpoint. So you want to oh, yeah. get into that a little bit? Yeah, yeah, man. Uh, first of all, rest in peace. Um, I taught at City College for 11 years. And uh, Colin Powell is, is an alum of City College. And anybody who has gone there understands certain things about that place. It is one of the most diverse colleges on the planet in terms of uh, the, the student population. But there aren't that many black male teachers, right? So with that having been said, um, Colin Powell was a terrible student. And anybody who, <laughs> anybody you talk to um, who uh, is aware of, of his, his school dossier, like, he was not good. And it just goes to show you can be a bad student and you can dedicate yourself to something bigger than yourself and you can become greater than life. And this is a man who, you know, he, uh, he joined the ROTC at City College, which is a program that's still, still rocking. Um, so a lot of students who, you know, don't necessarily know what they want to do. You know, the American military, for all of its flaws, has always been a path for people who didn't necessarily know where to go. Um, and if you say to yourself, I'm someone who wants to serve, that's a great path. Um, so he was ROTC, uh, went through his career in the military. Um, he was both the youngest and the black, the first black for a lot of things. I'm not going to you know, spit his whole resume. If you watch the news, you've heard most of it already. Um, what impresses me most about him is this is a man who even um, while he was lying to the American people, right? We're going to talk about that. <laughs> even while he, while he was lying through his teeth to the American people, he was respected while he was doing it. He was respected after he did it. He was respected after the lie came out because he copped to it and said, you know what? We were wrong. I made a mistake. And that's why people on the left, people on the right, people in the center, everybody respects this man. Um, he could have been the first black president. And, you know, we talk a lot about how Obama being who he was, right? Um, super chill, play basketball, you know, brought Jay-Z and Beyonce to his inauguration. Like we talked mm-hmm. a lot about how like certain moves helped a certain segment of the black population to be more political, right? Colin Powell would have been a very different first black president. He wouldn't have had that same effect on the black community. But on the flip side, Barack Obama was very polarizing in a way that Colin Powell never would have been. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like you wouldn't have had, you know, Trump's out there talking about birtherism. You wouldn't have had, um, you know, a Mitch McConnell in, in Congress basically saying, we're going to do everything in our power to prevent this man from being successful because he's a Republican. I just think it's important to recognize that leadership comes in a lot of different shades, um, especially within our community, because people think the black community is a monolith. And it's kind of ridiculous that they think that because, I mean, even between me and you, like we're both different shades of black. You know what I'm saying? Haitian yes, American, you know, cotton picker American. That's yeah. what I like to call black, you know, native first, black. Gen- first generation immigrant, you know multi-generations back immigrant because we all immigrants in this country but but right 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 
But yeah, different shades of black, which we will we'll get into that another on another pod in the near future for sure, because right. that kind of shapes uh, a lot of our our takes on things. Our dorm. Part of the reason why we wanted to call this the Be Dorm podcast is because we lived with a lot of different people from a lot of different places. We had 10 roommates. Right. Just yep. for the people. And, you know, people used to refer to us as the Rainbow Room Group because people used to say we were a we were a what a Benetton ad or something like that. Yeah, we were, that was. We were a classic Benetton ad, man. And, you know, we had conversations that sometimes are difficult, but it's important because yeah. if you don't have it there amongst people who love and trust you and respect you, then mm-hmm. you're not going to learn. It's just like anything else. Like if, if nobody tells you that you're doing something wrong, you can't learn. Don and I are both independent voices. You know what I'm saying? We're not, we don't speak with a partisan slant, you know, as independent voices, as two dudes who went to the schools that we went to, um, you know, often being the only black voice in the room, um, you know, often having to hold the entire culture on our shoulders in every conversation, right? Always being the person that people turn to when conversations come up. Like, yeah. what, what do, do you black think? people think? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we weren't necessarily famous, but we were big fish in small ponds because of our skin color and our culture and where we went to school. So we were inadvertently famous all the time while we were in school because everybody knew who we were. It sounds cocky and arrogant to say you were famous or, or, or like a celebrity on campus, but I'll go as far as like, as far to say is that that's just kind of nuts, man. (laughs) 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 Yeah. Uh, Speaking of nuts, speaking of nuts <laughs> and speaking about and speaking as a man who, who you were just talking about your your uh, your your thoughts, uh, your political thoughts and how, you know, you don't like to you don't like either choice that's offered to you. I'm gonna go off top. I'm gonna go off topic here a little bit. I'm ready. I got because I feel like, you know. We just been the far too. Transition already set me up. I'm ready. Go ahead. We just we just been far too serious with these folks. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I've just I've been thinking lately. When I was in college, and I think I mentioned this to you just just uh, earlier, uh, well before we jumped on, but I realized when I when I went to college and and I had and I had a, a limited uh, again limited funds, so I had to decide like what would I actually have in my dorm room. There were three three things I always had in, in my room. Sunny Delight. Okay. Ritz crackers. <laughs> and peanut butter. And the peanut butter. Right. Okay. Don't at me if you got a problem with with how those things go along. Just don't like before you before you anybody has any judgment, go make some peanut butter Ritz cracker sandwiches and throw and wash it down with Sunny Delight and then talk to me. All right. Um, if they make Sunny D, I don't even know if they make Sunny D anymore. If they do, Sunny D, hit us up. You need you you, you need to sponsor this. But <laughs> right. But getting back to the point here, um, is that this peanut butter problem I got, man. I got it like 
I think I got it from my dad. My dad eats, comes home, eats uh, snacks on peanut butter late night. Um, I realized that it's carried over and it's gotten worse during the pandemic. It's like become comfort food to me. And it's not just peanuts. It's, it's, it's not just peanut butter. It's branched out into the whole nut world. <laughs> like I got cashew problems, son. I got sunflower <laughs> seed problems, man. I got roasted pecan problems. I don't know if you had them Trader Joe's roasted pecans, bro. Nah, My God. Trader Joe's roasted pecans. I don't know. They're doing something in addition to roasting them that's not on the label. I don't know what it is, but they, they taste like like butter. But in any I'm, case. I'm about to fuck with you a little bit. Have, have, you, have you fucked with um, the nuts.com yet? Nah, man. I don't know about no nuts.com, but I guess Listen, I got to check you, that out. You can get nuts on demand. Shut up. For, for all for all the dirty people, we're talking about nuts you eat, okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I didn't even think about that. Y'all are, yeah, yes, we we have sophomoric humorous tendencies, but we're talking about nuts like seeds that you eat. <laughs> right, right, right. So, you know, for all the for all the these nuts comments, we're talking about the nuts you eat, okay? Yeah. All right, now. So anyway, all right. Talking. Fuck with it. Trust so, me. You want that. Get, getting back on track here. What I want to ask you, Turner, as I've been thinking about my problem where I can't stop snacking on nuts, is if you could have pause, if you pause, pause. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. All right, go ahead. All right, all right, all right. Snack on them nuts. Good. So I got this problem, like I said, that I can't stop snacking on these nuts. <laughs> so so what Ooh, would you do? I'm tearing up, polo. If for the rest of your life, you could only have products that are made out of one nut. My man. Like one, what? one Lance Armstrong nut. All right. What what are man, you just took it to you just went there. We said we're not going there. We <laughs> said we're not bad. going there and you keep going there. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Trying I'm, to I'm, I'm trying you see my po you see my poker face here? Yes. I got you. All right, good, good, good. Yeah. One, one nut. All right. For the rest of your life. And any pro and you could have all types of products that are made with that nut. What nut are you rolling with? I think I, I think I will go cashew. I think I will cashew because I do like the cashew milk. Um, I'm a big fan of 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 doing a, an annual cleanse. Cashew milk is great for that. Hmm. Um it's like if you 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 take a you know a bunch of different um juices mix them together and then you finish the day with like a nice hearty cashew milk that like kind of fills you up um we can talk about this off the air <laughs> yeah man yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we're gonna have to discuss discuss that one <laughs> <laughs> but your I, cashew I, I, diet <laughs> cashews are also very filling like it's a very filling um food so because yeah. because because all right so you can you're gonna eat you can eat cashews and you have cashew milk but what else are you gonna have and like what like what else have you like you they, you, you they take, do take make a lot cashew of butter. Okay. I personally prefer peanut butter, but like I said, I'm not a follower. So if I had to eat one nut, one nut, you're lucky just to have just one, mm -hmm. then I would go with the cashew. All I need is one nut, one nut, one nut. <laughs> <laughs> Cash. That's it, man. That's that's it. But like, all right, man. 
if I get if I get one nut, you know, I asked you this question. I never even thought about my answer. Let's see. Yeah, because wow. I assumed it was peanut. No, no, no. It's not peanut. It's actually not peanut. Oh, oh, okay. As much as I love me some peanut butter, man, love me some peanut butter. Like I told you, like the amount of times, if if the the amount of times that I've woken up in the middle of the night, uh, gone to the bathroom and passed my kitchen and gotten a spoonful of peanut butter in the middle of the night before I go to bed is embarrassing. <laughs> but I'll tell you what, I think, I think I might be going with a pecan okay. and I'm going with, and when I say I'm going with a pecan, I'm not going with a pecan. I'm going with a pecan. Can we, can we get the radio voice with that? And when I say I'm going with a pecan, I mean, I'm going with a pecan, not a pecan. I love it. <laughs> so, um, and I, the reason why, the reason why is because of pecan pie. Okay. Okay. It is because of a pecan pie. Pecan because, pie is a little bit of a closer. Because. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm assuming I've had cashew butter, I've had almond butter, I've had peanut butter. Haven't had pecan butter, but I'm just I'm just gonna assume I can make some pecan butter and it probably tastes fantastic. I use almond milk frequently. I've used I haven't done the cashew milk thing like you. Um I need to get on that and sample it. But I'm gonna assume that I can probably milk a pecan. Right? <laughs> If you can milk probably. an almond and you can milk a cashew, you can probably milk a pecan. You know what nobody has done with another nut that I've seen successful? Make a tasty ass pie. You're right. These are facts, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if y'all know, but my man is dropping facts. Yeah. I haven't had I haven't had an almond pie. I haven't had a pistachio pie. Right. I haven't had uh uh Oh my goodness! What well, do you call it? I, I haven't had a macadamia pie. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't had no sunflower pie. <laughs> you know what I have had on numerous occasions? Pecan pie. A pecan pie. So real quick, all y'all nuts, y'all need to up your game. Y'all need to come with some pies. Yeah, don't don't holler at me about what nut you're rolling with unless you can pie that nut and that's the first episode of the beat on podcast folks we out <laughs> it's fucking fantastic i love this shit man Power by Righteous Media.